0: If the topic of male leadership is unpopular today, the notion of a woman living in subordination to a man is equally off-putting in our culture, right? I, I don't think we need to debate that. That's I mean, just the other side of the coin. That's just as offensive, just as difficult. Uh, once we, however, get close to this topic biblically, the picture changes before our eyes and is filled with color and brilliance. I mean, We talk about uh, the man as head and how offensive that is as it sounds but then you look at it's locked into the headship of christ who gave himself for the redemption of the world and has a cosmic redemptive purpose and all of it and this locks into that our small marriages lock into that larger purpose and headship then takes on a whole sense of self-sacrifice and responsibility the, uh, the, the words themselves take on uh, color and brilliance. And so it is with uh, the wife as helper. I mean, how offensive. Talk about the rightness of a wife submitting to her husband as his helper. And you will be scorned in any secular gathering. You might even, I don't think we're far off from being sued. It, it, point, it, point to it in a certain way. In, a wrong, in the wrong setting, and you could just about be sued for saying these things. But again, we want to pull up here and sit at our Father's feet, and hear His warm counsel, and it's a whole different thing. It's a, it's a completely different thing as we hear it than the way the world perceives it. His counsel is warm, His counsel is wise, and it's given to bless husbands and wives equally understanding the meaning of the term we'll look first of all at light from the trinity god the father is described as our helper this word ezer in the hebrew our soul waits for the lord and he is our help and our shield Uh, that could be translated he is our helper Uh, it's the ezer the hebrew word uh, e-z-e-r as it goes to the english um, but he is our helper. The Lord is called our helper. When we hear husband, uh, the wife is, is to help her husband, she is his help, um, his helper. This is uh, the very idea that we find here um, in Scripture of God relating to us in that way. God the Son responds in submission to the Father's headship. 1 Corinthians 11.3, I want to understand the head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God. God, the Father, is the head of Christ to whom the Son submits. In John 17, 4, Jesus brought this out. And I could use so many other passages, but I just picked this one. I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. Jesus Christ is God, fully God. He is truly God. In the richest, fullest, complete sense of the word, he is God. But yet he relates to the Father as his head, saying, I have accomplished the work that you gave me to do. We don't make a direct parallel between husbands and wives here. Don't think of that. This is the ultimate verse for a wife. I've accomplished the work you've given me to do, she says to her husband. That's, that's, not, that's not the point. <laughs> Although <laughs> they're both saying that to each other probably quite often actually, right? I, I've got to the list and I got it all done. Um, but the, you, you get the, what the point is. Christ, fully God, there's beauty in his submitting to the Father. There's not some sense of inferiority here. There's not some sense of of slavish subservience or anything of the like. And we need to go with that environment as we understand the word helper. God the Holy Spirit is the sanctifying helper of believers. So God is called our helper. Jesus submits to his head. Uh, and the Spirit is the sanctifying helper of believers. Occupying the position of helper, then, is a holy calling in imitation of Trinitarian relationships. That is, the, the call of a wife to submit to her husband and the call of a wife to be his helper is really a holy calling In imitation of Trinitarian relationships, to come alongside your husband as his helper is to serve as a co laborer with the Holy Spirit in imitation of Christ. And in a sense, right alongside the Spirit who's right alongside of us. That is a higher calling of greater dignity than any position of authority in this waking world. We're not comparing it on any level. But when we consider that the Spirit of God comes alongside to support, to help, and is called the helper, when a a wife is called to be the helper for her husband, it takes on this dignity and this importance of that call. We see this light in, uh, in creation. We see it, I'm sorry, in the Trinity. We see it also in creation. Eve was created and designed as Adam's helper, completer. Just two authors that bring this out very pointedly. The timing of her creation, the reason God expressed for her creation, speaks of the non-reversible orientation of the woman toward the man as the reference point of her life. Ostenberger says, Serving as the man's helper sums up her very reason for existence in relation to the man. Being man's helper is the purpose for which the woman was created. These are unusually accurate statements. I find that most authors skirt this issue. They don't want to talk about it because it seems to be offensive. But I would say let's put this in light of what we've seen and recognize that. I mean, Can you imagine? Just, I, don't, I don't want to be blasphemous in any way, but just to help us understand. Can you imagine the Holy Spirit kicking and screaming and saying, I don't want to be the helper. I don't want to be the helper. That makes me look not so good. That puts me in a bad light. I don't like that role. I want to be the leader. I want to be in. You just say that, that that would, that's just unimaginable. The Holy Spirit is on mission from the Father as God, fully God, to be in the role of helper, to be the advocate, the one that comes alongside, indeed, the one that speaks to the glory of Christ in that setting. Again, not drawing a direct parallel to the Trinitarian relationships and and women in every sense of the word. But in the overall sense of it, understanding it, can you imagine the Holy Spirit kicking and screaming about that? No, you see the Holy Spirit coming with great zeal and uh, unexpressible passion to come alongside and sanctify us. That's His role. And And He fulfills that role with great joy and satisfaction. And so it is in the redemptive understanding of what helper means. First Corinthians eleven nine says, "Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man." There, we're fighting for the Bible here. You read that verse, and you just have to say, oh, "I just don't like to hear that." Uh, let's move on to verse ten. You know, let, let, I, don't, I just don't. I don't want to. I don't want to hear that word. But no, let's not think of it in the terms of, of sheepishness and embarrassment. What is God saying here? Uh, he, he's, he's the, the Creator is talking to us. And the, the fact of whether we would put it this way ourselves or like it or find it comfortable in our culture is all irrelevant. The Creator is with loving care coming to us and saying that man... Uh, that neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. That is, he's going back to that original order and saying that in her very identity, the way that I created her and made her was to come alongside just as the Spirit of God, or in a similar way to which the Spirit of God comes alongside to help. It's a glorious role. It's a purposeful role. There's nothing uh, uh, demeaning about it. But it it is indeed what it is. It is her call. So light from the Trinity and from creation, and we see light from redemption then thirdly in Ephesians 5, and we'll not take the opportunity here to work through this text again, but as we know Ephesians 5 and as we considered in the the previous session, just put our eyes on it, uh, she is to submit to her husband as the church submits to Christ. I think, how do we do that? How do we as a church submit to Christ? Looking at it from one angle... We are to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. And I, uh, we have our foot in that pond as a church, don't we? Um, we're no big player on the world stage of evangelism, but we're involved. We're involved on a lot of levels of seeking to have a footprint for the gospel throughout the world. And what does it take? It takes risk. It takes money, it takes energy as we put people in places and we support people in places and we go to places and we seek to pour out our life for the advance of the church of Jesus Christ. Giving ourselves to other ministries, other places, other people and and strategizing and working through. It's amazing uh, the work that's just going on for these two in, in, uh, in this nation, mission trips this summer. I mean, all the effort and labor that's going into building up these churches and encouraging the, their lighthouse and their communities. The work that we've just done as we've come back not long ago as a church from China and the like. It just it takes all this planning and effort and labor and working and working to fulfill Christ's call on us as a church. We are submitting to our Lord by honoring His commissioned to us to go into all the world and make disciples. So it's not for the church by any means an unthinking, passive, helpless idea. It is a position of courage and energy and ingenuity and importance And as we submit to Christ our head. And in submission to her head, the woman is called to image the church's submission to Christ. Always realizing the anthropological, uh, anthropomorphic, wrong word, anthropomorphic problems of making God us and us God. And real, you know, Understand, fill in the right blanks there. But in some sense, that's what a wife is doing as the church serves and submits to the call of Christ to go into all the world she is placing herself in a position where she is responsive to the direction of her husband, not in an unthinking, passive, helpless sense, but in a courageous, energetic sense of ingenuity and labor uh, for him and with him. To be a helper, as Scripture uses the term then, is to exercise courageous zeal. It speaks to her importance to the task of exercising dominion as God's image with her husband. It's not a position in any way, shape, or form of a demeaning position or an unthinking, passive position. It is rather an understanding of how she relates to him in the greater mission. So let's talk about, um, practically then, the practice of the concept. This is the meaning of the concept. Thinking from a trinitarian standpoint thinking from her creation purpose thinking of her redemptive purpose the dignity of that spot but understanding that she is in a unique and unreversible way in a good way uh, she is brought to her husband to complete him and to understand that that is her her calling is her liberty and is her grace and is god's gift to her all of that understood now let's talk about application Your husband and the pain of loneliness. God declared in the garden before the presence of sin that it was not good for the man to be alone. That he was created to have completion. We understand again in singleness there's nothing wrong with that. Christ was not married. uh, Debatable. I'm not convinced that Paul was married. uh, But others certainly were not married. and And as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 7, it is certainly a good state. All of that understood in the basic general building block sense. God said this isn't good. This is not good for this man to be alone. He didn't say he needed a babysitter, but he just about could have. <laughs> you know, for a lot of us, we need somebody's help. Uh, but, but here, at a much deeper level, it's about loneliness. It's about companionship. Women, your husband needs you. And I think as you think of yourself as a helper, that can get twisted in your own sinfulness to apply that in wrong ways. But in the best sense, he needs you. He needs you. He needs your presence in his life. And it is a call then to be a helper to pursue companionship with him. Um, to be one who is supportive and helpful in relating to him in every way imaginable. But you're bringing companionship um, and help into his life as he struggles with the base, simplistic challenge, or or I mean, uh, simple challenge of loneliness. I remember from a long time ago a, a picture I just want to picture it this way in a very simple exchange. There was this couple, younger couple, and I don't have a clue why I was in this spot. I just never will forget, for some reason, stuck in my head. But uh, he was a little bit, I'd say, unaggressive. The guy that just wasn't, you know, really taking life, the bull by the horns, by any means. He's a nice guy, but just, you know, a little bit, quieter than he maybe should have been a little bit less aggressive than he maybe should have been and somewhat maybe just a little bit on the timid side not in the worst sense of the way but this is kind of his bent his wife could talk twice as fast she her brain worked twice as fast she had a lot of aggressiveness in her uh, but a lot of grace in her as well and i remember a guy talking to him and saying, yeah, we got this. We have this wind ensemble we're starting. I understand you play whatever, uh, I don't know, tuba, whatever he played, and you play this. And would you be interested in joining us? And you know, let's just get together on a Thursday night, and we just play once a week. And would you like to try out and, and be part of our ensemble? And and he, you know, he's just kind of. You can see his wheels spinning very slowly as he's thinking about this. Should I push myself out and do this? And and this guy probably doesn't do a whole lot in the evenings, you know, by nature. And his wife is standing back behind his shoulder, and she's just kind of going like this. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought, there's just a beauty in that moment. She didn't say, no, he's a loser. He doesn't ever get out and do anything. He just sits at home watches TV. Don't ask him such a stupid thing. She didn't say that. She didn't get on him and go, come on, do it, you know, like in a controlling way and saying, you've got to do this, you've got to do this. Why would you not do it? It wasn't negative. It wasn't, it was just this beautiful, he just felt her aura. You know, I don't know if he even saw her or really heard her, but he could just feel where she was just encouraging him. And it was just like, I love this man. I want him to thrive. I'm here to help him not to take over, not to ridicule, not to be bitter or negative, but just to nudge in an appropriate way. It was just a beautiful moment. I, I think that really speaks uh, to this point. She was being a companion. He was moving, perhaps, I'm overreading this, but he was po- perhaps moving toward greater loneliness, greater isolation. And just in a very appropriate way, she was coming alongside and saying, this is good for you, without demanding it or taking over or controlling. In a submissive way, helping him become a better man. Small little moment. It's huge. The orientation is just huge. Your husband and the exercise of dominion. As you are a helper, you are coming alongside. As God has placed Adam in the garden as the seduer of the earth, sin puts fear in his heart when he faces the world. Now, under sin, under the curse, his path is complicated at every turn. To varying degrees, the world freaks your husband out. That's the honest truth in our loneliness and in our fight against the curse. It's a frightening world out there. There's a lot of things we can't get figured out, a lot of things we don't know where it's going, we're concerned about it. We're in this position, as we looked at in the previous session, of leading into the front edge, of being out in front of of the flock and cutting into the wind, and it's a frightening world out there as to what we might run into. As a helper, your call is to come alongside of your husband and encourage him. He does not know how to tackle all of life's challenges, but in that insecurity, God has given him you to come alongside and help him subdue the earth. You're in that work too. You're subduing the earth as well. I don't want to divide it into your work and his work, but to say that in the overall orientation of your marriage together, you see yourself in that role. So whatever subduing project you're involved in, however you're exercising dominion over this world, whether that's changing diapers or being at work nine to five or uh, caring for somebody over here or doing, uh, taking care of the, the finances or, or repairing the roof or whatever your job is in this whole structure of as you put things together. You see yourself ultimately in all of that work as participating with him at the leading edge of us subduing the earth. And so you're helping him, you're coming alongside of him to do that job. There is dignity in this, laboring to conquer the world with him, to cheer him on, to work out the knots, to fix the problems, to invent the solutions, to smooth his way but you look at his life a bit differently than he looks at yours. In this, I think, we're in danger as Bible-believing Christians of losing. The egalitarian press always brings us back to see our work exactly equally. It it, it is and it's not. But don't be afraid of the concept that your work as a woman, is in a helping role to come alongside of your husband to advance him, encourage him, help him go further than he ever would. In a different sense, he relates to you and your work. Your work is fundamentally helper-oriented. His job is fundamentally responsibility-oriented. As you maintain the distinction there, there's a more solid Synergy. There's a coming together, a compound is formed that's stronger than the two elements alone. And if you really are functionally operating as both of you have just equal sh- responsibility of your own little package, both of you are equally in a role of helper of the other in your own relationship, one with the other, and you're both equally on the same exact terms and perceptions there that compound is not formed. And what can happen along the way is that you become two ships passing in the night. And couples get to age 50 and 60 and 70 and go, I don't need her. I don't need him. We've come to functionally operate entirely on our own as independent agents, and we are in a marriage of convenience. Now you say, well, man, this sets you up in a bad way for death. I mean, what if she goes down? What if he goes down and we have this type of relationship? Death is the ultimate enemy. We don't back away from it and say, well, we're going to live our separate lives so that when we die it doesn't hurt so much. That's foolishness. We want to see this relationship thrive to the height of its capacities knowing that it's not ultimate that nothing in this world is ultimate, that everything will end and crumble and be ripped away from us. And praise God it will. To die is gain. To die is gain. You're not living to be married. You're living to love God. And you do that together as you subdue the world together, but doing so recognizing that we look at one another a bit differently. She is looking at him as I am your helper, your completer to come alongside and to press this family, this relationship forward with energy and zeal and attention and love and all of that. He's looking at it as I am responsible to pour out my life in protection, in service, in direction, in spiritual nurture. And as you're looking at those two different ways, they come together in a solid bond. We see this in so many areas of life, but the orchestra um, doesn't you know, just decide what instrument they're going to play before the, before the concert. There's a, you play your part, and you don't play when you feel like it. You play when the music says to feel like it. Or a, a, an athletic team, they're, they're not all the same. you got these football players that are... There's a guy at the U of M that's 6'9", 400. Six foot nine, 400 pounds is going to play for the U next year. That blocks out the sun. I mean, <laughs> how, how do you get around a body like that? Six, nine, 400 pounds. He's not going to work as a quarterback. He's not going to work as a defensive back. Not at all. He's got his part to play, and he plays his part, and the team thrives as he plays his part. And so it is with us as husband and wife. When we recognize what our calling is, what it's not, and we put it together rightly as God has counselled, there's such good that can come of it. Your husband and the bearing of children. Um, this might sound about as old school as anything we're talking about here today, but you come alongside to permit him the joys of intimacy and family. And I really believe that where there is a real grasp of it, the old way of saying was, uh, saying it was a woman's role was to bear her husband children." And that's just so offensive and un- that doesn't work in our ears, you know this called her job is to bear children for her husband. Do you look at the biblical text, and that's not far off. It can obviously be seen in a wrong way. But carrying on the family name was of tremendous significance to the Hebrews, such, so much so that the woman who was infertile or could only produce women for her, for her clan and for her husband was seen as something of a failure. Now that's wickedness, and we want nothing to do with that, and thank God we've gone way past that in this world. In fact, you, uh, if you have the choice of having, let's say, four daughters... And that's all. You have four kids, you have four daughters, and they will all serve God all of their life, live for his glory and for his honor. Or you could have four boys that are a reproach to Christ. Which one do you want? And we're all lining up and saying, give us the girls, right? Because we've come in Christ to recognize uniquely that the larger family is the family of God. There's a greater purpose there than just our carrying on our physical name. And thank God we're there. And in Christ, we've come to that place. Give me the four daughters. There's nothing shameful there, nothing negative there. In their culture, that was wrong and it was twisted on some level. A lack of understanding of what the true picture was. But as we have the family of God, Christ's kingdom to advance, we want our children to live for the Lord. That's that's far more important than whether it's a boy or a girl how all of that said giving to your husband children as it was presented there in that somewhat broken world there's something very romantic and beautiful about bearing children and a man can't do it he just he can't this is something that women only can do and it's a beautiful gift to their clan to the church and specifically to their husband. Um, I'm not, you know, it's not very romantic, probably, in the physical process uh, of bearing the child. It's certainly there's romance involved on the other end of it as we get to that point, and that's wonderful. But I mean more romance in the sense that there's nothing a woman can do that is more purely womanly than that. And if she cannot bear children. It's a sorrow. It's a sorrow that we bear, just as we bear the sorrow with the, in the, the woman who would love to be married and never is. It's not a given. It's not a guarantee. It's a gracious gift of the Lord. But it is a beautiful thing when she is able to bear children. And so as we think of this, and as you have children, those of you that have children, children, The bearing of children is a way in the sense of fulfilling the helper role in a very beautiful sense that the Lord gives to us. Your husband and the worship of God. You come alongside to support your husband's priestly role, if I can use that word in the right sense, his priestly role, and encourage your family's walk with God. This is one way in which you help him. First of all, you know that as the head of your home, as he leads you, it is his responsibility to nurture you in your walk with God. How he does that is going to differ from one individual to the next, and it's not a matter of placing demands on him from your part as I talk to the ladies here. It's not that, but you know that he has this calling. Anywhere that he gets into that range, encourage him. Uh, be responsive to it i mean the hardest thing that a guy can do is initiate bible reading or initiate prayer or seek to do something good for god and he gets kind of grumpy from his wife (sighs) sort of the whining sighing rolling the eyes do we need to do this now i got something else to go on just say helpers don't do that being in a role of a helper that's not a good response encourage him wherever that's there be thankful for it put your nose for a moment in the life of the woman who has a husband that won't lead spiritually that doesn't pray that doesn't read the bible that doesn't lead the family to church and thank god for what your husband does He may not be hitting home runs, but if he's leading you to walk with God, to follow the Lord in any way, shape, or form, make that as warm and inviting as possible. On the other side of it, if he's not getting it done, there's a way to graciously correct, there's a way to encourage him forward, there's a way to turn him off. There's a way to rip the wheel out of his hand and to say, we've got to do this, I've got to do this, we've got to take over here, be very, very careful how you give direction there and how you are helping. Encourage him forward. Uh, you can, you can, uh, there's so many nuances that we can't fill into every scenario and every situation, but encourage him that way. Encourage him and help him By leading your children to a knowledge of the Lord, be there as a support. Don't put if there's going to be Bible reading, we're going to read a Bible story book. We're going to have prayer as a family. He leads in that; he does that. I don't ever have anything to do with that. I think that's not a good way to think of it. How can you help to encourage the spiritual environment of the family? To, to bless your children that way and encourage them that way. And then to walk together in the fellowship of God's people, the, the church. To make certain that there are times, undoubtedly, where that's wearying and where that's difficult. If he's leading to church, if he's seeking to be there, uh, if there's an opportunity for you to rightly encourage him that way, do that knowing that you're helping him as you lean there. Again, if it's kind of a rolling of the eyes, a sighing, a, I don't really want to cooperate with this. It's, you, just, you just introduce a level of discouragement to him that's really hard to overcome. Well, so much could be filled in under each of these, um, but just as you think of being a helper, you are a companion to your husband. You are coming alongside his Uh, work and the way that you subdue the world together. Everything that you're doing is together and you are in that role. You bear children, you raise children, you give time to children and you uh, encourage the worship of the Lord. The dignity of a woman is not realized in her being like a man. Let's sound that word again and again. Her dignity and her value is found in her knowing what God created her to be and living that out faithfully and fruitfully. To be called alongside your, your husband to help him is to serve alongside the Holy Spirit, to image Jesus, and to realize her your creative calling. So as a helper, submission is not, I'm just reviewing here, but it's not unthinking, thinking, passive, weak, uninvolved slave. That's not what the word is or means, and that's nothing but a capitulation and a running away from your responsibility. It is rather an energetic, innovative, thoughtful, contributing partnership, a force that you create for your husband. You're a force in this world, and never does he get confused that it's for him, that it's in his interest, that it's alongside of him, that it's together with him you're his partner, you're his completer, and you go forward that way. So, wives, I think a very important question is, am I a helper and a completer of my husband? Do I have that orientation? Is that evident in the way that our marriage plays out? Ask him. If you're not sure, ask him. And it's got to be a right moment. It's got to be some uh, willingness to listen and to hear and to be open. No husband has the perfect answer for that. There might be a place where you're helping him and he doesn't think you are, and vice versa. But have a discussion on it. Uh, It it, it amazes me when marriages get into trouble how often this is a conclusion that wives draw entirely on their own with no repair to their husband, no conversation. Talk about it. Discuss it if if you're confused about it. Pray about it. it. Do you pray... As a Christian wife, to be a helper to your husband, to be the completer of my husband. How, that's hard work. That's difficult to know how that looks, how you apply that in various situations. How can this not be a matter of prayer? As we would pray as husbands that we would be a faithful leader in our home and to our wives. And grow in this. Recognize that there is growth, and all along your life, you'll be growing, improving, developing, maturing to be the helper that God's called you to be.